Welcome to the Write Good Books podcast, the audio companion to writegoodbooks.com with your host, Jason Bogart. Hey, everybody, it's Jason, and we are back for the Write Good Books podcast. I want to apologize for skipping a few weeks. I've had mystery illnesses all over the place, and now I'm back up to at least 50%, so we're going to try recording. And this is an awesome one because this is our 80th episode of the podcast which is so cool, I didn't think we'd make it this long. So with that, I'll introduce our guest host, Scott Michael Childers. And Scott, since it's number 80, you get to do the topic. Oh, let the old guy do it, huh? <laughs> old guy. <laughs> so we were, were chatting about what we wanted to do, uh, and we came up with an idea that I, I haven't heard that much. It's how does the setting or genre that you're writing a story in affect the reception of that story? For example, would the training scene of Luke Skywalker and Yoda be as emotionally powerful if it was done on the desert planet instead of the jungle planet? Or would a romance plot be as well received in an action genre versus a romance genre? Things like that. So I think we'll just kind of chat about where we stand on that idea and maybe give some examples on where we've seen it done well and some things where, yeah, that story approach just won't work. Right, and that's, I think that's kind of why we want to talk about it because if you do it wrong, it can pull your reader out of the story or at least, yeah, yeah reduce some of the effect of, of your story or the impact of your story. Yeah, and I think it probably, you know, we've talked a little bit about expectations, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, Not just of genre, but uh, of just how you lay out a story. But I do think this mix of stuff around your story, you can use the same words, pretty much the same plot, same characters, but if you put them in the wrong setting, I think you lose some of the touchstones that that give it power, that give it an oomph, that that would take it just one step higher. Or, Mm -hmm. like we were saying in the intro, to even be accepted. You know, it kind of reminds me of Star Wars, The Last Jedi. There's the scene where the two go to that casino planet. Mm. And that scene is almost universally trashed by the fans because it's so out of place. And they wanted to have that scene there to kind of build a relationship between the two characters mm-hmm. who, whose names I can't even... Finn. Okay, I can get one of them. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, you said you're only 50%. So. There you go. But yeah, you could have accomplished that in a completely different, more um, consistent with their world or consistent with their universe yeah, setting. Yeah, I think that's a case where a scene setting just wasn't in tune with the rest of the entire work. Yeah. It just stood out. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Because even now with that one, you'd have to change a little bit of the actual dialogue and stuff but how it was presented really did seem like was this the same movie yeah I'll, I'll give you another option it's a little bit older but i remember i think it was somewhere in the 2000s there was a u.s godzilla movie that came out with matthew broderick oh and, my right you didn't have to remind us of that I, I, it, it existed mm-hmm. I, I i deal with history so <laughs> it's best not to forget so we mm-hmm. don't repeat it again but here's my take with it Everything around that story made it feel like it wasn't a Godzilla story. It wasn't true to the character of Godzilla. That people who had been watching yeah. the movies 
they had an expectation of this is a Godzilla movie, but then they come out, it's like, that was insert generic monster right. in this setting. It, a lot of the things that would have made it a Godzilla movie were not there. Right. It had more elements of Jurassic Park than Godzilla, it yeah, felt like. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was a bad movie. It just, you know, you you may take no, offense to that, but it just, it was advertised as Godzilla, mm -hmm. and it did pull that off. Like that Solo movie. It's like, that was a fine sci-fi movie. Mm. That wasn't Han Solo. It didn't have a Star Wars feel to it. Yeah. So... Now, and one of the things we're talking about here, I think with the solo one, I think the characterization might have been off, too. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen that one all the way through, so I don't know how to... I can't judge that one. I'll give you another one. A James Bond movie, uh, Skyfall, right? I, I've watched all the James Bond movies several times. I watched Skyfall. It was a really good movie, mm -hmm. but was it a James Bond movie? Oh, the yeah. The setting... The, and part of it was characterization, too, in that one. It just seemed things were just a little... I know they wanted to take the character in a different place, but it just happened. I didn't see enough of the build-up for it to, to really sink in. So that's another thing. If, if you're dealing with already known characters or, or something that a lot of people know about or think they know about, I see this with history. People will read something about a historical event and say, well, that, does, that could have happened. And the, the author comes out and is like, well, I actually downplayed some of the more ridiculous things, but it's all true. And if you did your research, yeah, some of the stuff that the story itself was true, but it didn't match the expectations going into there, the genre that it was written in. Something about it that made it feel like, well, this doesn't, this isn't right. Okay, so I think our biggest problem is when, when something happens that isn't consistent with the rest of the story, whether it's a character... Or if it's a scene that takes place in a setting that doesn't seem like it should fit. But it all comes down to you're pulling your reader out and reminding them that they're reading or watching a piece of fiction when you want them to suspend disbelief. Yeah, yeah. And as we've been talking, we're, we've thrown in some things about character consistency in this discussion as well. But let's, let's say the way something is presented, I'm going to take The Hunger Games. Okay. We talked about this earlier uh, off off the mic but for me my introduction to hunger games wasn't the books it was the movie mm -hmm. and when i was coming into it it was action film mm -hmm. with a strong female lead cool i'm into that but then the actual movie it was ya right the, the way a young adult tends to put all the emotional stuff up front and center and in your face again not saying it was bad. Right. I'm just saying it didn't match the expectation of the marketing that I saw for that movie. Okay. I was expecting, you know, action movie number 137 or whatever. Sure. And then I come to it, and part of it is on me. I mm -hmm. probably should have done my research and said, oh, yeah, Hunger Games, it's YA lit, and, and it's known for this, that, or the other thing. But, you know, if part of me felt like this doesn't match. The expected genre doesn't match the way the story's approached. Okay. So you're, you're getting a teenage romance instead of an action movie. Right. And okay. again, I will admit, part of that was coming from my base expectation. Uh -huh. So I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just saying that made it hard for me to fall in love with the movie series <laughs> like other people have. Okay. Because that first impression was like, what, what, is, what is this? Yeah. 
Now on the flip side of that, mm -hmm. I took my four-year-old to the Dora movie because she's a lifelong fan, and that met every expectation. <laughs> that was perfect for taking that character and throwing her into the real world and having her age 10 years. It was, that was just so perfectly consistent to that show. Okay, it, so you know, what about the uh, setting? What the setting, set? you know, the setting, they take her out of the jungle and put her in the city and it shows how she has to adapt to high school kids picking on her. And okay. But it addresses it was, that change of setting yeah, well. Yeah. Okay, and, there we oh, go. Man, and just to throw in how much fun it was, you know, it starts with her a kid and as a kid and she's talking to the camera like on the cartoon and her parents are like, will she outgrow that? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it was a self-aware Self-aware humor too, but, oh, okay. but yeah. So, but that's a case yeah. where the setting mm -hmm. worked well for the story they were trying to tell. Yeah, they were exactly. trying to tell a story of someone being out of place, uh -huh. but there were enough touchstones. And then, of course, taking, you know, taking the people from the city and going back into the jungle, and then they're out of place and roles are reversed and whatnot. So, nice little lesson movie. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I think the internal consistency of things mm -hmm. is what are you setting people up for. And then do you deliver? We use movies and TV shows because yeah. they're they're you know you can go and see a movie in two hours. And you're yeah. reading a novel, it might take you longer than two, three yeah. hours. All right, so I'll tell you one where because they got the setting right, <laughs> it made the story feel more approachable. That was Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Okay. I don't know if you know about this, but I think we've actually I think I brought it up yeah. in some previous episodes. But the fact that they got the history, the, the real-life history of Abraham Lincoln and that, of that time and place, they weaved it in so well, that made the book a lot more enjoyable. It wasn't just like, we're going to take this crazy idea. Sure. You know, Abraham Lincoln goes out and kills vampires and just kind of throw it in there. They had enough of those setting touch points mm -hmm. that made me see this secret history of Abraham Lincoln and enjoy the ride. Okay, so they kept it real. They didn't, it wasn't like they just, to, to pretend like it was a picture, they didn't just Photoshop in some vampires, but I mean, they actually... Yeah, and, and you know, there was some massaging mm -hmm. done, but it was done very well. And so that was just, if they would have gone, I want to say gone cheap with mm -hmm. the setting, if they would have just given it lip service, right? right? And just say, oh, this, this, that, that. There'd be enough points where the story itself would have been like, okay. uh, it was a fun little B-movie type of, of book, right? Uh -huh. But because there were those those touchstones of people who, who kind of have a rough idea what Abraham Lincoln went through and when, mm -hmm. that, made, that setting made that story better than some people would expect okay. it to be. Well, that's really cool. And that just goes to show that you know, when people say writing is lying or whatever, I, I never buy that because you want to, you're telling the truth with your writing in your own context. And that sounds like they kept true to their setting. And this is really what would have happened if Lincoln was, was a vampire, was a vampire hunter. Sure. <laughs> but that's an example mm -hmm. of how it works well. Yeah. It takes what would be an interesting little story. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say little, it's a full-blown novel, but... Taking this whim, right, and turning it into something better than if I tried to, well, if I tried to describe it, right, it, it sounds like, well, what is that? You know, might be laughed off, but it was actually better yeah. than, 
than I would expect it to be, uh, much to the author's credit. Mm -hmm. So well, that's good because would that classify as alternate history? Yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. You know, cause sometimes uh, alternate so, history sort of or alternative history, alternate history. Uh, well, it, it depends. It, yeah. Because the supernatural mm -hmm. aspects, some would take that outside of alternate history, put it in a, a, a sci fi type of genre. Okay. But it, it's definitely not historical fiction. Yeah. <laughs> but when you have that alternate history, you can tell when a writer really is paying attention to the details or just slapping on a setting because it sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's cool. How'd the critics like that book? Um, I, I don't remember. <laughs> you, you, you'll have to do your own research. Okay. But, um, but yeah, you know, stuff like that. I'll, I read an, another, and this was an alternate history type of tale, mm -hmm. I guess. The setting, while true to the historical figure, the actual story did not seem to... It, it felt shoehorned mm. in, right? It felt like it didn't fit the culture of the time. It didn't okay. feel like the setting was that great. And I'm not telling the, the title on purpose. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who, who has issues with that when you're, when you're bringing in alternate histories of known people. But yeah, so that, that is something where the setting, while it's true that person visited, it was too off. Okay. Right? It was too, the story that was being told was too off from that setting where it happened. I, I once described it as someone took three stories, put them in a blender, and then printed out what came out. <laughs> it just, things did not fit well with that. You know, and that's a big problem regardless of your genre. If someone, and I do this, we probably all do this, you kind of, maybe not necessarily with computer software, but you randomly generate a setting in your head and you mm. start working on a story. And if that setting doesn't work, it should be pretty obvious. Well, in theory. You, you would hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might not be obvious to the writer always, but but hopefully it's something that a that critique partner or something could catch. And, yeah. You know, why is this in the past when it, you're having everyone act like they're in the present? Or Yeah. Well, it, it, we'll uh, even talk about, there's a book I read, Ancillary Justice. Sounds familiar. It, 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 it hit all sorts of, of honors when it came out. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, that the author, and I know I will mispronounce the last name, uh, Anne Leckie, I, I hope I'm pronouncing mm -hmm. that correctly, but what was done very well in that is it takes place, you know, outer space, far future, but the setting was developed along with the, the story as, mm -hmm. as you're reading it. Sure. And so nothing felt out of place because you were discovering so much about what was going on okay. at the right time, at the right moment. And so there are some really interesting concepts with artificial intelligence and gender roles and expectations of certain types of societies. And the book, I think this is one of the reasons why it's so well received, it brought you along on that discovery of the setting as well as the story in just this really well-timed manner. And so you didn't build a lot of expectations mm -hmm. because you were still discovering it as along with you know the point of view. So that's one way to get around some of this is if you're creating your world, mm -hmm. have the discovery of the setting happen with the story so it matches. Yeah. It's... 
The reader reader discovers it as they write. That's interesting. So so there's not a chance to yeah. kind of misconstrue the setting because it's a blank slate until yeah. you hit that point. There, granted, there's some types of stories that that approach won't work because mm-hmm. people already know. And your point of view character may already know also. Yeah. So there's some things you can't keep hidden from your characters. Yeah, yeah. But, but otherwise, it look, unless your character is purposely forgot everything, you know. Yeah. And we don't want every book to be about an amnesiac, <laughs> right? Right. So that's good stuff to know. So I, I think we were kind of working out some of this stuff here, you know, as far as what does this really mean when we say, does does this fit that? And I don't know if we, if we came to a really overall answer, but I, I think hopefully it clarified so, some things that we saw and put a finger on why wasn't, why didn't I like that? Yeah, piece? why did this not work for us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to throw out a final example, when you have things happen that wouldn't normally happen, like I always, you know, you can go back to when, um, these are old examples, but like when you'd have the 80s sitcoms that were usually silly, goofy shows, and then they bring in a kid gets molested or something like that, you know, the, the very special episodes. You know, those, as a little kid, always made me so uncomfortable. And I get what they're trying to do, but again, it's, you know, you're, you're not giving your viewers the expectations yeah. that they the, expect. The story is going against genre. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just and, out of place. Yeah. And, and yeah, sometimes it works. Yeah. And, and like I said, sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It was set up to fail. Yeah. Because it was so different. So, yeah, I just, I think it's so important to stay consistent with your fictional world. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not saying things don't change. It's just the internal logic. Yeah. Right? Characters grow because of things that you've seen. Yeah. It's not just a random turn here or there that you've set up. Oh, yeah. A change of character. You've set up a change of setting. You've, you've mm-hmm. set up a change of dynamics. Yeah. Um, it's, some would call it foreshadowing. I just think it, you're showing there's a reason for why these things happen. Yeah. And the change of tone. You can do that, but you've got to kind of work towards it. It, it can't just snap, happen, mm-hmm. and, and expect every, everyone to follow that change. Right, because like I've said a couple of times already, you don't want your reader to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm reading. You don't want to remind them that they're just reading some fiction. You want them to escape into your fiction. (laughs) Yeah, because once they say, hey, I'm reading a piece of fiction, hey, I need to go water the plant. Close the book, set it down. (laughs) Yeah, it's Uh, true. Unless you're you're writing like a Brandon Sanderson-level epic, you know, doorstop size of a book, (laughs) then you got to give your reader breaks and... That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on epic fantasy now. Maybe we should, we'll do a podcast on that someday when I've had a little bit more progress. So on that note, I think we can close down episode 80 and plug some stuff. Check us out on the web at writegoodbooks.com and on Patreon at patreon.com slash writegoodbooks. Until next time, thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.